Welcome to Shovel Talk, a podcast for economic developers. From your friends at the Golden Shovel Agency. Well, welcome to another episode of Shovel Talk. Um, this is producer Darren. Um, Bethany and Amanda allowed me to speak again on the podcast, so I'm kicking Barely, barely. Giving me another shot, I guess is what we'll say. You're giving me another opportunity here. So um, you'll hear me in the beginning and the end of this podcast. We do have a wonderful guest, Amy Madison, from a city in Texas named Pflugerville. Spell it, Bethany. Oh, my gosh. Really? This, this is like nightmares of the third grade spelling bee all over again, which, by the way, I got out on the very first word. Oh, yeah. I was that bad, people. Pflugerville. P-F-L-U-G-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. So a copywriter got booted on the first word in a spelling bee. That's what you're telling me, right? That is exactly what I'm saying. Fortunately, there's this thing called an education. All right. So if anybody's wondering where in the world is Amanda, she's still in Mexico. We couldn't get her out of the affinity pool. She's stuck in there. I think she mentioned she likes to have uh, spritzers in the affinity pool. So she's taking this podcast off. So Bethany, why don't we kick it off? Yeah, absolutely. I want to welcome today... Amy Madison, Executive Director for Pflugerville Community Economic Development. Amy, thank you for joining our podcast today. Thank you so much for the invitation, Bethany. I'm looking forward to it. Now, for those of you who don't know, Pflugerville is the third fastest growing city in the United States, which is definitely something we're celebrating. And Amy has been instrumental in helping local companies to grow, obviously creating new jobs in the community, and also recruiting large investment from companies like Amazon. But before we dive into economic development, we want to learn a little bit more about Amy and learn more about your journey. You know, what brought you to this point where you're able to have these type of successes for your community? So, of course... We're going to roll back in time. We're going to start at the very beginning, the moment of your birth. No, I'm just kidding. Not that far back. <laughs> that was a very long time ago, and I'm not going to tell you how long ago. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But more, more like growing up. What was it like growing up as Amy? Oh, my goodness. I was in a family of five children. I was number two. I was the runt of the litter. I had everyone in the family was at least four inches taller than me from the time I was born until the today. And, <laughs> and so I was always the little one, but I always had a lot of spunk. And uh, in order to compete with that many brothers and sisters, I think I uh, are very early on learned some finesse of uh, making friends with big friends and uh, having them around to help me out when I needed them. And then being very... Uh, agile in uh, being able to talk people into things, even though I was definitely the underdog. (laughs) And that has to be a good skill as an economic developer trying to recruit businesses, right? (laughs) Exactly. I think those skill sets uh, are still working for me and my family as we plan an event next week. So mm, talking them into certain things that we're going to be doing. So I've, I've, that gift of gab has helped me uh, along the way. 
Now you're in Texas now. Did you grow up in Texas or are you from somewhere else? No, actually I was born in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the other side of the Red River and actually got a a master's from Oklahoma University. And when I got to UT territory, it was a little bit tough to deal with in Austin for a while, but I finally got them convinced that if they had to like a boomer sooner, it was going to be me. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Now you obviously are, you said one of five, so you come from a big family. What inspired you as a young person? You know, interestingly enough, I was part of, um, something called Future Homemakers of America back then. Uh, It has a different name now, but it was to develop leadership in uh, in young women and eventually uh, young men as well. And I started, uh, I got some of the best training in the country uh, working on developing what strategic planning was at that time. As a national officer for that organization, I was elected their national vice president. And as a part of that, I actually had to do projects that were then implemented nationwide. And I developed a strategic plan. And with that, I learned strategic planning. I loved being able to bring people together and to work on uh, projects, which that That's what we did. I was national vice president of projects and uh, I did a lot of public speaking at a very young age. And when I got into this role, it came into very handy. I started speaking when I was three years old, publicly um, presenting poems that my grandmother would teach me. So I, I really had a lot of stage presence by the time I got to high school and I did this stint as the uh, national VP. And it was it was inspiring, exciting, and I started looking for a new career. And when I started thinking about what would I be when I finally did get out there, I, I went with public relations and communications because uh, I was a good writer and I had a solid footing in PR um, from previous experience. But it wasn't until I heard someone uh, speak, I was very young, uh, I still was in college, and I heard him talking about being in economic development. I thought, wow, I wonder what that's all about, and started exploring it and decided that was that was the direction I wanted to go. I, I loved business. Uh, I loved the part of working to grow companies and and it all just kind of came together and my first job was in Oklahoma and I worked in a small business development department and I had 35 different companies that I called on and assisted with their growth and so that that put the footing there for me to then jump headlong into economic development opportunities and profession uh, in Texas. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you hear different responses when people hear economic development, some people scratch their head, you know, what, what, what is that? You know, that's <laughs> a very foreign concept. Um, it sounds like you came into it rather organically, though. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Economic development hasn't been around for a very long time. Uh, When we look at professions across the board, it is fairly new and it is evolving. It is still evolving. The profession is changing still. Early on, there was more focus on what we call smoke stacks, you know, factory kind of development. And then that went, grew and, and matured into more uh, capital investment, job creation focus. And then from that, you know, today we're looking at focusing more 
as much on community and trying to determine ways that we can build small business, work with Main Street as much as working with the other larger primary employers as well. So it is still evolving to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about your career is that you've served in so many different capacities within economic Uh, development. Yes. And, you know, if I might, if I might say something about that, you know, um, one of the things that's been so helpful in my career is that I've been able to work in all different types of economic development positions, starting first in, uh, you know, a Votech school where I was a small business development director going to uh, a city and working for a city manager and running an economic development department along with a planning department. I wore two hats. So it really helped me with the development side of the business. And from there, moving up the road to San Marcos, where I had to start two-county partnership in order to have funding for economic development. And it worked with the private sector and public sector in pulling that off and became an independent agent and created the Greater San Marcos Partnership, which was totally different than what I'd done previously. And then moving up to Pflugerville, where today, you know, we are an 4B corporation. We are outside the city as a separate entity, but the council still appoints our board. We still have our budget ap- approved by them, but we work to market the city in, in a, in a separate arrangement totally from the other two ways that I've done economic development in the past or three. So with that experience comes a lot of understanding of the total world of economic development, how different it can be and and how you have to model it for the community to fit the community. So it's been a real, real pleasure doing all of that. I think I've been so fortunate to have experienced so many ways of doing the very same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you how you frame that with having to uh, modify it for the individual community, for whatever the community needs, and then obviously the structure of how the community is set up. You know, a lot of economic developers do move from community to community. Uh, I know, you know, most of your career has been at least regionally, but, you know, we talked to a lot of economic developers that they hop squats across the country sometimes, (laughs) and, and you're constantly encountering new things. So as someone who has had multiple roles with multiple different communities, what is a piece of advice you would share to someone who maybe has been in economic development for a couple of years, they've gotten their feet under them, but now they're starting somewhere new? You know, I think the very first thing and where I start is just the basics, and that is with a strategic plan. I mean, any community you walk into is going to have its quirks. It's going to have ups and downs, opportunities, challenges, weaknesses, strengths, all of that. And and when you when you go in, getting a really good plan in place, a strategic plan in place has been the secret sauce for me. It has helped me to reform, change, make significant changes, additions in every community I've ever been in. And it started with the strategic plan. We start with we're engaging with the community, engaging with the elected officials, engaging with cross culture to talk about where we want to go and what we want to be. And at that point, determine, you know, what gets us there. And that plan has helped to keep us on focus in every community I have ever led. So that would be number one. And number two is 
to listen. Listen to your people. Hear what they have to say. Try to develop a real understanding for the challenges that they are seeing and they're, they're seeking answers and then be creative about the way you approach it. The same old, same old is not going to get you where you need to go. So you need to come in with a creative approach of how to deal with the same problems they've been struggling with probably for a while. And how can you make that turn around? And so just being creative and and, you know, listening to their issues is very, very key and strategic in how you can address them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think definitely uh, when you talk about creativity, it is always encouraging people when they hear sometimes a new idea, a fresh approach, right? Right. Um, the things that have been tried and didn't work. Sometimes people uh, get a little bit fatigued with those strategies. So <laughs> creativity is good. Give us, give us a story. Tell us about maybe a creative solution you were able to implement. Well, um, you know, I, I, I would tell the story about Amazon. It's most recent, but it's probably um, the most interesting project I've ever worked on in my entire career. So let me do that one. You know, first of all, it's really tough to do recruitment in a pandemic. It's obvious that virtual can work for some people, but it's very hard to really do uh, an entire project uh, virtually during a pandemic. And fortunately, we had started on the Amazon project prior to uh, our announcement this past year, uh, at least 18 months in advance. And so we had some hands-on. We were very uh, involved with the company trying to develop what ended up being a 3.8 million square foot facility, $250 million investment, a thousand jobs, but it sure wasn't easy. And it took us a long time to get there. So this story is about how we creatively managed it during the pandemic. And to do that, we had to be really quick on our feet when they started shutting things down in our area, particularly essential workforce. They were trying to determine what was essential business or not, and the construction site had was underway. And I was so concerned because had they shut us down at that point, we were dangerously teetering at a time when they could have canceled the project easily and walked away. And so just trying to uh, monitor the the conditions in the in the uh, county and you know bring the people to the table that could help us in making sure that uh, construction stayed open uh, with the county was was really instrumental in getting this done but then we had a request from the city for funding on a road improvement that was much needed at the same time we were trying to do an incentive with Amazon and it was very difficult because we didn't know what was going to happen with sales tax and we didn't know if we were going to have a lot of funding for the next year and both requests were significant. And so we went back to Amazon and we negotiated and talked to them about how this improvement was going to help them as well. And could we redirect some of the funds to the city project as opposed to helping fund something that was on site, but offsite improvements instead. And by the time we finished those conversations, I redirected every dollar that they would have received to the city project, which we're underway on now. And on top of that, during all this, even during the pandemic, we learned of an EDA grant that we could apply for, and we were able to go out, apply for that, and it was awarded to the city to reduce further the amount of money we needed to spend on that intersection. And so as in in some game, Amazon gained 
extra access for their employees that will start this late August. And the um, city gained an intersection improvement that was sorely needed. And it benefits the entire community and the entire region because it's a significant interchange for all the businesses that surround that corridor. So I think that was as creative as it gets and it ended up putting dollars back in our pocket to work with this year that otherwise would have been spent. How's that? That's a good story. (laughs) I like it. That's a good one. We love that story. (laughs) You know, I think I kind of see like scrappy, tenacious Amy in that though, because you weren't afraid to actually have the conversation. You know, you talked about, you know, when you were your young self, everyone's (laughs) a little bit bigger than you. Well, Amazon's slightly bigger, I have to say, but you weren't afraid to have the conversation and it worked out. Well, thanks, Bethany. And and you're right. I think sometimes it's just the matter of how you ask and 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 that partnership you create. You know, one of the things you asked me earlier was what are the things you do in a community when you first get there? One of the things that it, I've always done is tried to develop really true relationships with people, not just a partnership with the company. It's it's friendships with the people that you're working with and understanding what their problems are and trying to help them understand the problems that you have. And as a result, you come to uh, very, very productive results because you're looking at both sides of that coin. And you're also trying to have really in-depth conversations where you are thoughtful of them and you really think highly of them. And it's, it's a partnership, but it's also a friendship too, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not butting heads and at odds with each other. You're not fighting for power. You're working together. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's definitely important. And obviously that, that played out well with, with your example of how something worked together for the entire community's benefit. Now, one thing that did stand out to me, again, looking at your history, is we've already talked about the fact that you have worked in so many different roles in economic development. But just from my observation, you know, the communities keep getting bigger, the deals keep getting larger. And simultaneously, you are someone that has invested heavily in your education. So I want to know if you think that there is a correlation you know, between those two things, do you feel like you've gotten better as you've invested in your education and then have helped to make these things happen? Or do you think it's just been going on simultaneously? Well, first of all, I love to learn. I've always been a learner. I've always wanted to know more. Someone would tell me the tip of the iceberg and I'd start digging. I wanted to know more about it. Doesn't make me an expert at it, but it certainly made me more knowledgeable. And so I love to learn. But I think When we are in this profession in particular, we wear so many hats. Mm -hmm. We have to understand development. That in itself is significant. We have to understand how city planners think, how city managers think. We have to understand how a council acts and what they do and how they do it. We have to interact with the legislature. We have to work with our boards, our commissions locally. We have to be the voice of a public body in many cases and or organization. We have to be very articulate. We have to be able to provide information and be sometimes the technical and the expert in the room. And you can't do that by just reading the newspaper. So getting the certifications and education that I've gotten over the years, uh, it's been a, it's been a process because I really wanted to do the very best and delivered the best that I could. Mm -hmm. And you do that if you really do respect 
the process, the information you have to know, and there is a lot to know. The certification that you get in economic development is not easy road, and it is as difficult as any kind of master's exam that you would ever take, but they expect the best. They expect you to learn and to understand how you do what we do, just like any other profession. And so because of that, I've continued to seek opportunities to learn more. I do think it is definitely correlated to what I can do in a community or work with my staff to do in a community. But beyond that, I encourage my staff to also you know, I really believe in professional development, and we have supported all of our employees uh, in every job I've had. I've supported employees continuing their education. So I just think it just makes it it just uh, makes you sharper and more able to deal with what is a very difficult task many times. You know, it looks good when we cut the ribbon, but there's a lot behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and some of it that you have to deal with is, is, can be very difficult and very stressful. So having that technical expertise and understanding and having that education. And then the other thing too, is that the people you met, meet along the way become lifelong friends and they can also be great resources. So while I've taken all these courses and I've got all these certifications, it's the friendships I've made too that make that even doubly more important. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about all those letters behind your name because you do have <laughs> quite a few certifications. Yes. Spell them all out for us. Well, I have the Certified Economic Developer, and that comes out of IEDC, International Economic Development Council, where I now serve on their board. I am a Certified Public Manager. That one is statewide associated, and it's to be able to run any kind of public entity or participate as a a staff member, like as a city manager and assistant city managers take that a lot. I also have an economic development finance professional certification that is uh, specific to looking at deal making and working at how uh, developers look at performa versus how bankers look at financials and being able to translate back and forth between the two and understand what's important to both. And then finally, the more recent is the economic development master practitioner, which is a more generalized approach, but was very interesting uh, course to take as well that I've completed. And I think that's all of them with the exception of my uh, undergraduate degree in journalism and my graduate in public relations and, and marketing. So that kind of, I think that summed them all up. Like I said, that's a lot of letters. We <laughs> had to have you explain it. I have my own vegetable soup. There you go. <laughs> no, that's great though. I mean, like you said, that gives you the technical expertise to help get the deals done you know, and obviously we do have a lot of economic developers that listen to this who are newer in their career. Is there one maybe that's the best one to start with? What do you think? Yeah, I do. I think basic. There is a basic class that you can take and especially in Texas, but in other states as well, where it's just a basic intro to economic development course. They teach it differently depending on the state, but um, that is a great uh, segue into then working toward your economic development degree uh, or your certification from uh, the international organization. And I think 
starting though with basic is very, very helpful. All of my staff but one have been through that basic course and that one individual will be taking it this coming year. So uh, I'll have all of them through it. In some cases, even sending my board members to classes have been really helpful too. So we, we do put a lot of time, energy and resource behind professional development at all levels. Now, you did say you made some good friends along the way, though. So I'm thinking there might be a funny story or two. What what was the funniest experience at one of your trainings? Oh, my goodness. Well, I was actually at BASIC, and we had to try to raise money at an auction that would help for scholarships to send other communities, economic development directors to the program and um, I met two of my best friends to this day uh, at that program and that was back in 2000 this is going to date me 2001 and as part of that we decided we'd get creative on how we would do the auction to raise funds the people had donated stuff and we were trying to get people to bid up on certain items you know so that we could then provide more scholarships uh, to the next class and it was a week-long class, and it was very difficult then. You had to go full week, and then you had to do a presentation. You didn't sleep much. It was a lot of work. So we were at the very end of the week, and so we had to come up with a way to <laughs> entertain and try to get that money raised. And so I went down to Walmart, and I bought the biggest dress I could find for my vice president. I was president of the organization, I mean, for the class. They elected the president, the vice president, and a secretary. And so I went down and bought him a dress and some outfits for myself and for um, the other individual, two males and myself. And the vice president was at least two and a half times taller than me. (laughs) And I dressed him up as a hillbilly with a black tooth and a woman. And the other one I dressed up as an A&M cheerleader. And then I came in in overalls and boots and we took the house down. Those pictures were up for the longest time. I didn't know if it was going to ruin my reputation for the rest <laughs> of my life, but it, we raised the most money that had ever been raised at that particular uh, auction. And so we had a good time. We still right. are friends to this day. So they still, didn't abandon you after you dressed them up like women and, you know, hillbilly women at that, they didn't run away. No, they did not run away. In fact, uh, they're still good friends to this day and still working in or near the profession. One's a real estate uh, agent now, and the other one is uh, working in economic development still. So uh, good friends. I still work with them on a regular basis, and but it was a lot of fun. Nice. I imagine um, they don't want you to go shopping for them anymore, though. No, they were, they were darn <laughs> darn good with it. They were, they were, after it was over, they were like, uh, don't ever. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. No, that's awesome. So we know how important education is uh, and has been for you and for your team. Is there anything else that you really attribute your success to in economic development? Oh, yeah, I would say right away. It's just no, it's not really no. Don't take no for an answer always. I mean, you need to explore it, look at other ways. And why are you saying no? What is ha- what is the problem? Can we remove that obstacle? You just you, you just never give up. We have had a lot of projects where we, you know, it took several years for us to make happen. So you just don't give up. You just keep trying and you keep trying to find a solution, especially if 
the project warrants. I mean, if it's something that you really want to see for your community and you really think it needs to happen, just because you dream big doesn't mean it can't happen and to stay on course. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple things that we're working on today with our strategic plan. If I had taken those ideas when I first got here in 2015 to my board or council, they would have laughed at me. And today they're becoming reality. But it took us as a community six, seven years to get there, staying focused on some things that we really need for our community. You know, you just, you just can't take no for an answer and you can't give up. You've got to keep trying. So I have to ask, are you that same way at home? Absolutely. <laughs> so am I. And it drives my husband nuts. It does. You know, he, he it's really funny because I'll say I want to paint this room. In fact, we had that conversation last week and it's like, well, I've just painted it just a few years ago. Well, it needs to be painting again, you know, and if you right. don't do it and if we don't get someone in here, I will start painting it myself. We are going to do this. Be happy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. I, I have kind of that, what we called, my mother used to call stick to activity is I've, I've never heard of that term used by anybody else. And I'm not even sure I could spell it to this day, but you stick to it and you stay at it and you get it done. I'm going to try that. Stick to it. Tivious. Is that the word? That's what she used to say. Stick to it. Tivious. And stick I went to it. Tivious. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that means really mom, but that's okay. I guess that means I still have to do the dishes. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to try to figure out how to spell that one later on. Okay. Sounds good. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Fluorel, obviously your community. Some people, especially in the media, are calling it a boom town. What do you think about this term? Is that appropriate for you or is that kind of out there? Well, absolutely. It's fairly a good description. When you look back in 2000, as early as 2006, and you saw more tractors on Pecan Street than you did cars. And today, um, that's a four-lane, center-median turning lanes. And and Amazon has its 3.8 million square foot facility on it. You know, just even a, a mental picture of the difference between that two-lane and what we've got in that building ought to paint that picture pretty quick. And, you know, Pflugerville, because it was not close to a highway, kind of slept through the 80s into the 90s before anything really started happening for them. And that's primarily because we didn't have a road that ran through it. And so as we saw that infrastructure of uh, what's called State Highway 130 and State Highway 45 flanking our north, south, and eastern border, along with 35 aligning the far western border, begin to happen, we began to see development. Until then, we were kind of bedroom city for what then was Dell in Round Rock when they moved to Round Rock. And so we became a boom town for rooftops. And at that time, Pflugerville, you can buy a pair of socks in our town. And our tax rate was the second highest in the state of Texas. Hmm. And that's when they actually went after the referendum to bring in uh, the half cent for the 4B Corporation in the state of Texas to begin doing economic development and hence our birth 20 years ago. So we have literally grown up in that 
20 years and PCDC has been leading the way, our organization has been leading the way in uh, putting in infrastructure, recruiting companies, developing a business park. We did a water park. We've done all kinds of projects that have brought investment and corporate headquarters and uh, capital investment and job creation to our community that, that it just didn't exist before. So all of that has happened. Our tax rate is now a commiserate with everyone around us because we've been able to roll that back as a result of some of the primary jobs we've brought and the capital investment. So, yes, we are a boom town. We're continuing to boom. We're 15 minutes from Tesla, where they located their new $1 billion gigafactory and are announcing even more jobs than they did originally. First, it was 5,000. Now they're rumoring 10,000 jobs. And because of our location, just 15 minutes north of Austin Bergstrom International Airport, which is also growing like a weed, and right across the street from the best executive airport in the state of Texas, the Austin Executive Airport is in our uh, area as well. We have opportunity like never before. So, yes, I think we fit that name quite well. Nice. I like it. Well, Boomtown, we're going to see what happens next. Exactly. And it's it's going to be quick. We've seen the biggest year we've ever seen last year. And this year is uh, ending up being a good one, too. We are seeing larger projects than we've ever seen and uh, quicker turnaround times. So it's a fast paced act that we have going on in the background. Sure. Now, you obviously you said you had a good year last year. This year is already off to a good start. COVID-19, I'm sure people want to know, are site selectors and executives traveling out to see you? Are you meeting with everybody virtually? How have you been dealing with that? We have done a lot of virtual throughout the time during the pandemic, depending on where we were in terms of, you know, how COVID was impacting the community. We've had in-person meetings, but, you know, socially distanced, you know, with masks, et cetera, but on a regular basis. Uh, I've been going in about twice a week on the average, you know, for specific things, uh, sometimes once a week, but we're starting to see things breaking up now. Our state organization in Texas just announced their first in-person slash virtual meeting uh, by the organization. That's our profession, TEDC, Texas Economic Development Council, which will be socially distanced, and they're putting some really great protocols in place. You can still attend virtually, but we do expect to see a full crowd for this meeting, uh, and they're taking a lot of precautions. They even have armbands that say, you know, red, green, or yellow that indicates your your comfort level in having discussions with others, you know, and, and, and how you're reacting to COVID. So it's, it's good. And then on our name tags will be whether or not we've been immunized. So, you know, we're we're hoping to start beginning to resume. And in terms of your question related to others, we're starting to see more travel, more people coming in, I mean, it's really hard to make a decision on a site unless you actually see it. You have to come to the community. You have to be there, look at it, the buildings, everything. Virtual is great. You can do some drone work, but it's not the same. So we do have visitors that come in that I have met with, and it's starting to pick up. And I think we're going to see by June 
a lot of events and a lot of things going back into motion. We've already seen the International Asset Managers Council meeting is scheduled in Fort Worth and it's it's in person and that's a lot of site selectors and folks like that that are doing uh, placement of company expansion and others I'm beginning to hear Site Selectors Guild is looking at doing something and so I think we're going to start seeing it opening up in June significantly as we go on later in the year. The immunizations, of course, are leading that whole uh, change of attitude and and certainly some a little more optimism about what we might be able to do in person. Yeah, and time will tell, right? We're all waiting to see how everything unfolds. Exactly. Now, you know, earlier we spoke about the importance of strategic planning, something that you apparently started doing in high school <laughs> nationwide. Not very many people can say that. Um, but yeah, strategic plan. So years later, obviously, they're still working. And one of the things that I know you've mentioned is how you come in, you get to know the community, you create the strategic plan. Initially, not everything in that plan is being implemented. Not everything makes sense, but years later, as things progress, it does. Energy is obviously one of those things. It's something that is on people's mind uh, nationwide. Obviously, there were some challenges in Texas this winter with the power grid, and you are on an advisory board for Clean Texas. So (laughs) you got to tell us, what is the strategic plan there? Um, How does that fit into economic development? Number one resource for economic development, your very, very basic is water. But after that, you know, besides land and infrastructure to get where you're going, it is definitely electric. I mean, electric and or other types of uh, like gas that can fire up a company in order for them to do what they do under roof. And so it is crucial. It's crucial to our survival, you know, in many areas of the country as well. Electric powers so many things that we don't even think about recently when we had the outage and during the big freeze, as we call it, you know, people in Canada were really laughing at us. You know that Texans, we just don't know how to deal with cold. But really, the truth is we don't take the precautions for the cold because we don't have that kind of cold. And down in Houston, when they had to shut down all the petroleum companies, the you know, and in some cases had so much damage and and it takes a long time to get those back up and running that impact alone hit our supply chain all across the united states so when we talk about electric when we talk about power outage when we talk about you know what are we going to do in the future it has to be a combined front because you cannot get electric from the sun when it's not shining When you look at all the other options that we have, we have to have multiple options and then we have to have good storage. So I think it's a complex issue that is going to impact economic development over time. And it's one that uh, I'm certain we will find solution for, but you can't put your eggs in any one basket. It can't all go in oil. It can't all go in solar. It can't all go in wind. It has to have multiple opportunities for us to be able to draw from if we're going to continue to grow our economy and take care of our, our families. I mean, we, we've got to have multiple options. And I think that's where I see this going more and more because we need a, a lot of options for any circumstance that may occur. I mean, you know, I was curious again, you know, how you saw things since you do serve, you know, on the advisory board for Clean Texas. And it sounds like your approach is to be balanced. Right, exactly. 
And you cannot depend on any just total, you know, solar or wind or, you know, renewables because that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. The wind doesn't always blow. I mean, there's got to be backup for that and substantial backup. And that means oil. That means also coal, you know, as a, as a sustainable plan and backup plan for anything else we might do that's renewable. And yes, do we want to see more renewable? Obviously. But there's complications in getting that renewable to the areas that need it, too. You get a lot of wind out in West Texas. Where do they need the electric? Then you got to pass it down the line. Does it have a place for it to be stored? No. So, I mean, there's just a lot of issues that need to be worked through, and I'm sure we will. We're a very creative world, and I know that there's going to be good things that come out of that. Yeah, it goes back to that creativity, right? We have an issue. Exactly. We need to solve it. Let's get creative. There you go. Put our heads together. That's right. So what is next for you? What is next for Amy? Oh, I don't know. Every day I get up and I think, gee, you know, what's going to happen today? And it's always a different world and it's always something new and something different. And I love that pace of it, but I definitely have missed not traveling and I love to travel. I love to go and meet people in their own environment And I love to go travel on a vacation. And if we could just get beyond being able to go somewhere, I would. Um, It's my very favorite thing to do. And if the opportunity presented itself for me to just travel a lot, I would be all over that. But right now, we're in lockdown and we can't do that. So, you know, I miss that part. And so someday soon, I hope we're able to open up and be able to get outside the United States and go places again and see new things. So where would you go? Oh, I want to go to Africa. Where in Africa? South Africa. I want to go see the elephants. I want to see all the animals in their own environment. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that since I was little. So that's number one on my list. But I also would love to go to Greece and travel Europe more. I've been to see my husband's family in Germany, and I've been there a couple, three times now and love Europe. But I would love to see some other countries as well. Canada, you know, Mexico, we've done a lot of, and Alaska, which seems almost foreign, but isn't. So, yeah, just getting out and seeing the world a little more would be what I would love to do a little more of. Yeah. Traveling is awesome. I love trying new foods. What's the most uh, interesting food you've tried on your travels? Oh, probably chicken legs. I can't think of anything else. Chicken feet, not chicken legs, chicken feet. Chicken feet. How how are those prepared? They were fried and they were kind of crispy and they're kind of really obnoxious looking, but they ended up tasting pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) They tasted all right, huh? Yeah. I didn't try any of the bugs. I, I wouldn't eat the bugs. No. Although they're supposed to be full of protein, I I don't know. I I guess they are. So maybe one day if I get hungry enough. (laughs) (laughs) Or or maybe not. Or maybe not. Exactly. That's fine too. I I have not tried chicken feet. So maybe if I feel adventurous one day, I'll have to add those to the list. But, you know, maybe not. (laughs) Right. Maybe not. I was pretty, I was younger then. Uh, I, I don't know if I would do it again, but yeah, chicken feet crunchy. Yeah. Dipped them in some hot sauce though. So it made it a little better. <laughs> yeah. My, my kids say if you dip anything in barbecue, then they can eat it. Exactly. There you go. That's the secret. So what do you think is next for uh, Pflugerville as a community? I think Pflugerville is going to see the same kind of surge that the t- same impacts that, that Round Rock had in the eighties and nineties when they began to grow and, and added Dell 
with Tesla down the street, we're going to see an awful lot of corporations that are moving in, more corporate, big name companies. Our mainstream of, of recruitment and what we've been taking care of in our own backyard all this time has been those smaller businesses, and they still are our focus. Businesses anywhere from 10 to 50 employees has been a real good sweet spot for us because those are the fastest growth companies in the U.S. You know, small companies are. They're the ones that are adding the jobs. It's not the big major corporations so much in terms of total job creation in the United States that small businesses do create more business, more uh, job opportunity. And so we've always looked for the gazelles and, and we've done really well at that. You know, I want to continue doing that and I think we will. But I think with some of the larger corporations that are now beginning to look at Pflugerville and plant their feet in our backyard, I think we're going to see uh, uh, more of that, of the bigger named corporations and some of the suppliers and supply chain for that. And in the meantime, though, growing our community organically and trying to continue to keep the community intact and and keep up with the infrastructure, you know, to deal with all the challenges that come with that kind of fast growth requires a lot of great leadership. And we've been blessed over the years with having really great uh, council members and mayors who have led the community without question through all kinds of stages that we've gone through. And I think as long as we can maintain that leadership at that level, there isn't anything that Pflugerville can't become if they want to. And I think we'll all have fun getting to watch and and help to see that growth. Now we have reached a point in our podcast where we are going to do the lightning round. So this is a challenge to the never give up Amy. Can you answer all the questions in 60 seconds? Probably not, but I will try. (laughs) Are you you up for the challenge? I'm up for this challenge. All right. So let let me get my stopwatch out here and we're going to go. All right. Ready? Yes. Go. Favorite song. National Anthem. Best vacation memory. Going to Sand Springs in Tulsa when I was a kid. Favorite ice cream flavor. Pistachio almond without a question. Childhood nickname. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell on myself, but six pack because I wasn't a full case of beer and my last name was Case. <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. Superhero power. What's her name? Superwoman. All right. First car. Opal Manta. Book you're reading right now. It's a book on John Lennon by James Patterson. Number one on your bucket list. Already said going to Africa. You did it. I did. All right. You are the winner. Eight questions in 48.98 seconds. You rocked that. Oh, cool. Cool. I don't know. I don't know. Six pack. (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, that was so embarrassing when I was a kid. I mean, I was just so little when I was younger that, yeah, I got, it was, that's why I had to have big friends, Bethany. Big friends. Yeah. Everybody needs big friends. That's all right. All right. Well, Amy, do you have anything coming up that you want people to be aware of? You know, we are very, very excited. This is, I I mentioned it a couple of times, but this is our 20th year of operation with PCDC since our election in the community to keep the half cent for economic development. And we plan to celebrate in August. So while we 
don't have exact dates yet. We are going to have a big celebration that month on our anniversary date of our 20th year in operation. We also plan to hopefully cut that ribbon uh, for the new Amazon facility and be hiring a thousand people at that time. So it's going to be a really big time for us. We also in July have an upcoming webinar. We do those every quarter. If you go to our website, pfdevelopment.com, you'll be able to uh, keep on any kind of uh, events that we have going, but those are every quarter and they're awesome. We invite panels to come in and speak about specific topics and it's just been overwhelming. We had Amazon come and talk about their project last time. Next week, we have one planned on looking back and over the past 20 years with our panelists who have served the PCDC over the past 20 years, you know, we try to come up with something as we've talked, Bethany, creative Mm -hmm. so that the takeaway is really, really good. And we do that virtually. Eventually we will be back to having uh, on-site and in-person meetings again. And we do those at breakfast time in the morning. So anyway, just check our website for all the exciting things that we've got coming up and we look forward to having them join us. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for being brave enough to share your nickname (laughs) and talk about your speech at the age of three. It was fun learning more about you and your life. And also, I think that there's some great takeaways that you were able to share with other economic developers. Well, thank you so much. And we appreciate what you do as well for us. Your services are amazing. And uh, we just love working with y'all. Well, that was a fun chat with Amy. Um, I do know what I took from that uh, podcast interview, and that was what? Don't take no for an answer. All right, so what's going on here at Golden Shovel? Um, We do have an upcoming podcast coming out probably towards maybe mid-end of May um, to coincide with an upcoming webinar, our Main Street Small Business and Restaurant Recovery for Economic Development webinars. We are going to be interviewing a a husband and wife team that own a pub over here in my neighborhood in East St. Paul, Minnesota. So we had a great interview with them, and that will be coinciding with that great webinar and possibly some other content to come out about Main Street uh, Recovery. Um, we also have a new hire here at Golden Shovel. We recently hired Carol Galstead, and she'll be taking over um, a few, a handful of gatekeeper clients. And I'm so excited to have her on the team. As far as social media, we want you to get out there and like us on Facebook at Shovel Toss. We want you to follow us on Twitter at Golden Shovel. Also, follow us on LinkedIn. And please, please, please subscribe to us on YouTube. That's it for this edition of Supple Talk. We'll be back soon. Like I said, Main Street Recovery is a big focus for us coming up in May and June, and stay tuned for more information about that. See you later.